This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. Hey, everybody from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton with the latest installment in our second season of Louder Than a Riot. It's the podcast that digs deeper into the unwritten rules of rap and the rule breakers who refuse to play nice. In this episode, hitmaker Saucy Santana takes center stage as the Louder Than a Riot team asks how queer rappers can turn viral visibility into lasting success without being tokenized. The team tracks Santana's rise from being a makeup artist to the stars to becoming a star in his own right with viral songs like Walk em Like a Dog and Material Girl. While the collision of TikTok and hip-hop has ushered in a new era of visibility for rap's most marginalized voices, it's also a double-edged sword that cuts both ways, especially for queer artists. He's got the bars, the boldness, and the booty, but can Santana break through the industry's attempts to keep him boxed in? That's up next on Louder Than a Riot. A warning before we begin. This podcast is explicit in every way. And this episode contains homophobic language and references to suicide. Tallahassee and Perry is small. So when somebody doing something with glam and it actually works and it's good quality, you won't hear about it. And I do hair. So, you know, hair and makeup go hand in hand. Mitch Copeland is a hairstylist out of Tallahassee, Florida. He's known as the hair physician. And back in 2017, he started to hear about somebody else on the glam scene. So I used to always be telling people, like, oh, who did your makeup? Your makeup cute. And they used to be like, oh, I'm Santana on the beat, Santana on the beat. And I'm just like, who is that? What had you heard about it at that point? That you can go to Santana Boutique, you can get your makeup done, you can get your lashes. He had, like, the real full, like, the T ones, like, the real cute ones. A bitch look at you and be like, oh, who did your means? Oh, girl, I know these troops. Oh, for real? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's something he was known for. Okay, okay. You can get strips and you can get an outfit and come out a different bitch. A one-stop shop. I've always wanted a Santana beat, and I have never got one. Santana's reputation definitely preceded him. He had all the sauce. And Mitch, he had to meet him. And finally, the stars aligned. My first time seeing Santana, he definitely was in a full face, um, lashes, makeup. He was actually doing makeup um, when I first seen, very like very first seen him. And he was moving with his clients so fast, and I was just like so amazed that I'm like, damn, this boy really don't care. Like, he really out in public with makeup, lashes, beard. Like, I was still kind of, you know, not really. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm not as open. Seeing Saucy show up like this really did something for Mitch. They became fast friends. Santana gave me a lot of confidence. Um, he gave me a lot of hope that I could be myself. And I seen if people come in here fucking with him for who he is, if I do this, they're gonna they, and I, that's genuinely what I want to do. They're gonna rock with me for who I am. So it was like a just a, a good feeling, and it was a feeling of confirmation that you know I could be who I want to be in this world. I could do what I want to do in this world, and it's gonna be accepted by somebody. That acceptance that Santana showed Mitch was life changing. It inspired Mitch to come out the closet and get all the way into his bag. Together, they took over the greater Miami glam scene. Even as Santana started booking big names as clients, he took Mitch along. And when Santana made the transition and started rapping, Mitch was right there with him, watching him achieve what he thought couldn't be possible. I 
Chanel 9 boots. Saw this nigga said he jockin' cause they know I'm the truth. Material girl. And I get it from my mammy ball main bust down. These hoes can't stand me. I knew it was going, I knew like it was big and I knew, you know, like it was popping, but I didn't expect it to take him to stardom because we gay. Stuff like this don't happen for us. Like we, you know, we be hot for a little minute. We get 15 minutes of fame and then it's something else. I'm Cindy Madden. I'm Rodney Carmichael. And from NPR Music, this is Louder Than a Riot. Where we confront the double standard that's become the standard. On every episode this season, we tackle one unwritten rule of hip-hop that affects the most marginalized among us and holds the entire culture back. And one that a new generation of rap refuses to stand for. Like the girlies, openly gay rappers are having a moment in hip-hop right now, claiming more space and breaking down homophobic barriers that used to keep them from taking center stage. Saucy Santana is a big part of that. But if breaking through old barriers means going into overdrive, how far can you really go without a roadmap? People was like, can we sell, first of all, can we sell him? You know, he's feminine, he's dark skinned he's thick, he's gay, he's loud. We're taking you into Santana's rise in rap and what it means for the new generation of queer rappers to make it on their own terms. On this episode, rule number seven, stay in your lane, shawty. We're in the West Village. We're about to make a custom scent with the material girl himself. Like, what can be more opulent? What could be more luxurious? Tell me, Gabby. Nothing. In the humidity of last August, my senior producer Gabby Bogarelli and I waited outside Old Factory, a custom scent studio in New York City. Just as the rain clouds above us parted for the sun, Saucy Santana and his boyfriend Devon pulled up and hopped out of all-black Escalade. Hey. Hey, what a beautiful, this time came out. Yeah, Just for you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm Sydney. Santana. We wanted to link with Santana specifically um, yeah, to do something way. fun. <laughs> something bougie. Something a little extra. Because that's who Santana is. All right, take it away. What do we do? Okay, so you're here to make a custom scent. Okay. You're going to pick one fragrance to work with when you pick that fragrance. Dipped in diamonds and wearing all white, head to toe Balenciaga. Santana was looking real expensive. And he likes to smell like it too. Okay, so what I look for in a fragrance is very like sweet, sexy. I like to smell sexy. But I don't like to smell like sex. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This smells too good. I was gonna say, so did you ever have a Bath and Body Works warm vanilla sugar fish? Period! Duh! Duh and Fabered. Trust. Clearly, this is the type of stuff that gets Santana in his element. As we chose the scent combos and he started tapping his acrylics on the counter, he explained where his love of getting glammed up and sexy started. Santana's mom was a Mary Kay lady, and growing up, he would play in her makeup. I used to be the wrong color, because my mom is like my boyfriend color. Ooh, back then, it was a lot of pink lipstick. Um, I wasn't into... Um, babe, remember that video I just showed you? You just showed me last night. Pink lipstick down. It was pink, pink lipstick, pink hair. Pink oh. hair. Nicki Minaj. I mean Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj. Right? Um, it was pink lipstick. We wasn't wearing um, we wasn't wearing lip liner yet. 
So I didn't know to calm down your um I um Kylie Jenner was real big at the time with the new lipsticks. I was fighting to learn my new because I was sitting new that Kylie Jenner world, but I'm like, yeah, me and her not the same skin tone. So I'm like, how do I get my lips new like hers? Cause it's not coming out right. I just kept giving powder, don't it? Do you remember the first time, like, you saw yourself with a full face of makeup? Like, how it made you feel? It, even though I knew it was the wrong color, I felt good. It just made you feel like a bad bitch. Like, you know, when I was when I was growing up, I used to um, watch my mom. My mom used to always go to the club. So I used to watch my mama, like, new wigs all the time in the bathroom, like, come out with her makeup, slay, all that. So I used to be like, oh, mom, you cold. Like, my mom about to go out. She look good. So it just gave me that, like, you know, you look good. Like, you know, you just feel good. You know, when you got your face beat, your hair did, like, you know, you ready to pop out. Mm -hmm. So that's just what it gave me. And Santana wanted to give that feeling to other people. And he was good at it. As a makeup artist, some of Santana's clientele, like the city girls, loved that he could not only beat their face, he could cut up with them, too. When the boys see the Chanel, they already know what's happening. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of you. That person's crying to get put down. <laughs> that person's crying to get put down. That person's that person crying. That person's hot to smell like black and mouth tricky. Santana started rapping for fun around February 2019, making a theme song for his friend's podcast and dabbling in viral freestyle challenges. Everybody was like, oh, Santana, I didn't know that you know how to rap. I was like, I ain't know either. <laughs> I was just, you know, putting something to the to the pad. Santana's friend Mitch didn't know either. I was around Santana probably like a couple months before he started like rapping. I remember when he used to like came out with the first rap. I did not believe he wrote it. Why not? Cause it was so raw. Like you didn't come up with this. Like what? Like, huh? Now this was early 2019, around the time that the remix challenge for Blueface's Tatiana was blowing up. Cardi, Designer, Soldier Boy, all were dropping remixes. And Santana, he made one for fun. It was low key moving online. Like, he called my phone and then just was like, he started rapping Tatiana to Tatiana beat. Daddy dick me in the lamb with the doze up. Bring me my baby pole up. Pussy shining like my watch got you clothed up. Sweet bitch fruit roll up. Pussy pearl like a blunt poppy smoke. Up. I'm like, bro, this shit raw, like, what? What the fuck going on? And he, after he did that, they dropped another song. And I'm just like, bro, what the fuck is going on? Like, I really couldn't believe it was really him. And, um, so wait a minute, you had no clue before this that no, he... No, like, it came out of nowhere. I'm so serious. Like, it came out of nowhere. To Mitch, it was wild to hear his friend, who's usually behind the scenes, sliding on a beat like this. What was he saying in that first when he when he called you and wrapped it on the phone? What was he saying that, that, that made you be like, damn, this shit's raw? It was a verse on the Tatiana that I liked it really, really bad. When he said Daddy Long Legs, you a stroker. That's so funny because, like, we, in the gay world, we know what that means, but, like, to the world, like, Daddy Long Legs, that's a spider, you know, like, that's like the spider with the long. Yeah. You know? <laughs> nah, you gotta keep going, keep going. So, like, that's like the spider with, like, the long legs, and in the gay world, when you got a big dick, like, bitch, you know, you got a third leg. So, like, I'm like, man, this nigga really pushing his pen. Like, what the fuck? What was meant to be an inside joke was also undeniably clever. Santana's punchlines and metaphors were hitting so hard because he was essentially queering pussy rap. But when he saw the response, Santana got serious. Yeah, so once I got enough people like, hey, hey, Santana, Santana, like, you lit, you lit, you lit. I'm like, oh, well, let me try to make, let me try to see if I can seriously do this. 
So that's what gave me the motivation to write my first song, Walk em Like a Dog. I recorded my first song in a closet. Walk em Like a Dog. I wrote it. Wrote it um, and wrapped it in the closet on my homeboy phone at the time. It's a track about running things and not getting ran through. And Saucy was spitting. Welcome Like a Dog went hella viral to the tune of a million plays in one week. The song went so crazy, Rihanna hit Santana up to perform it at her Fashion Week after party. Don't be telling people we fuck, that's cap. Never heard bars like these, that's T, I rap. Go off in the booth, that's me, I snap. Tell Ty, baby mama, pipe down, she can slap. What was your sense of what uh, Santana thought making it would be or what his goal was in terms of all this whole thing? Um, Getting some money. <laughs> like getting some money. Um, that's that's literally how all it started. He was just trying to get some money. What's some money though? Like, like some, some money is different money. Than like, to everybody. It's, you know, getting real money, like not having no worries in the world, being able to provide for yourself, provide for your family, you know, like that type of thing. Like not really, you know, not struggling, not stressing out about paying the bills, not worrying about how the rent gonna get paid, not worrying about that stuff, like really having stability in your, you know, with your bank account within yourself. I don't care what nobody say, they oh money don't buy happiness. I wanna find out. I know that's right. <laughs> I agree. He didn't send it. Walk him like a dog to me. I seen it on the internet when everybody else seen it, and I'm calling. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, bro, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I'm literally watching the views. I'm watching his page like crazy. I'm watching the views go up, go up, go up. I'm watching his following go up, go up, go up. I called and I'm like, bitch, you got the same amount of followers as me. Like, I was the friend with the followers, you know? And I'm like, what the fuck? And I woke up the next day and he went past me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, this is crazy. And his life changed from there. So when he started to go viral, like... I watched it. You did? I watched it. Yeah. I did. What did you think? It blew my mind. Because I know that things can happen for people overnight, but being around Santana and actually seeing it, it literally, like, it still blows my mind. Like, I still can't believe it sometimes. And he always stay humble. He always is just like, girl, please. Like, I just make a little music, girl, whatever. Like, whatever. And I'm like, no, bitch. Like, you really somebody. Like, my dad is in jail and he's asking me about you. Like, bro, you're not doing nothing small. Like, he took over the internet and it still drives me crazy that Santana is who he is today. Now, see, Santana was right on time with a major shift in the industry, one that we've all been living through. With TikTok ushering in a new era in music discovery and virality, in 2020, the pandemic sent that into overdrive. With everyone stuck inside and bored out of their minds on their phones, people were turning to the app for a hit of dopamine. Every week, it felt like there was another song blowing up. And a dance challenge to go with it. New opportunities for virality. It really leveled the playing field for artists. It broke down the misogynistic gatekeeping that this industry's long been built on. By opening it up for acts who've typically been sidelined by hip-hop. 
I'm just trying to slut this nigga out. Double on his kids, then spit him in his mouth. Allowing them to take up even more space. They don't wanna see no gangsta bitches win. Where the industry and fucked up letting these gangsta bitches in. They say my 15 minutes up, I'm only 15 minutes in. Pussy so good, it's making them creep. Pussy so wet, it come with a leak. And my body so nice when the clothes ain't on. Yo nigga, he roll him a pee. And the nigga he found, yo nigga, he mad. His face look just like a seed. And if there was any one position to ride that wave, it was Saciana. He knew, like, okay, bitch, this is what's going to take me to where I need to go. This is going to be my ticket out. Like, bitch, let me take this shit serious. And he literally, like, started just moving, like, he leaked. Did you see the vision yet at that time? Yes. You did? Mm-hmm. Santana is my, like, that's my friend. Like, I don't give a fuck what it is he doing. He could call me and say, Mitch, girl, I'm finna stay but dazzle pooper scoopers. I'm like, bitch, all right, ho. Send me while I put that bitch on Instagram, bitch. I'm with it. It wasn't exactly bedazzle pooper scoopers, though. Santana had diamonds and Birkins on his brain. With Mitch by his side to hype him, Santana knew his next track had to be even sicker. He challenged himself to write down what he really wanted out of this rap life. Material Girl, I literally was just manifesting the life that I live now. I was fresh at being a rapper. I was ready to just have the lifestyle of rich and famous. Chanel bags. Getting flew out on shopping spree, wearing material things. Like, I want to be a material girl. Like, I want to have my Chanel bags and my Birkin bags and my Balenciaga and all this. And I want to take trips and I want to get iced out mm-hmm. and all this different kind of stuff. So I really call it like my manifestation record. Santana dropped Material Girl. And in 2021, the internet snatched it up. It had all the makings of a TikTok era hit. It's a fun, instant injection of confidence, tied all together by Santana's screechy, almost taunting tone, and that lip gloss line twang he puts on it. What do you think the special saucy sauce is that um, makes me feel? Florida Gras accent. Because we say Gras. So it's like material Gras. And everybody just fell in love with it. How much is you paying? Hey. Don't speak broke boy language. Nah. You can leave with the crew that you came with. Came with. Me and my bitches ain't playing. No, no. Ice me out, nigga, like Elsa. Fly me out, private jet, no Delta. You can send your bitch back to the shelter. You ain't got no money. Santana's tracks were really starting to move. By the beginning of 2022, the hashtag Material Girl had over 500 million views on TikTok. In Santana's grand plan, unsigned hype hits. They were just a stepping stone. Next up on his list, turning those 90-second sound bites into lasting success. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. When you book through Capital One Travel using the Venture X Card, you earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights, and you earn unlimited 2x miles on all other purchases. Plus, receive a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. The Venture X Card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill, FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When was the first time you heard of or heard Saucy's music? What What is time? Sometimes during the pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> like two or three years ago. For me, Saucy Santana came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I'm mm. assuming people knew about Saucy before, but it was like all of a sudden Saucy Santana was everywhere. And I encountered Saucy Santana on social media. On Instagram. Shantae Paradigm Smalls is a hip-hop scholar and professor who made it their business to show people how queer artists have always been present in hip-hop. They trace this lineage in their book, Hip-Hop Heresies, Queer Aesthetics in New York. Santana was part of, a, of this wave of women and femmes that have really been, to my mind, saving hip-hop mm. with innovation, with, um, with, with lyrics you know, who are pushing, innovating, and claiming space. And so I feel like that's really been very interesting to me. Sometimes the fun of hip-hop, the just club bangers, or just the, like, danceability of it gets gets lost. And so I feel like Saucy Santana is one of those who's just like, I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to bring out, this is for the kids, this is for who likes it, and who doesn't like it, bump them, you know? We need people who just, like, invite people to have fun. You know, Ratchet music is, like, is fun. That's our music, you know? And so when I heard uh, the Walk song, I would be like, you know, I'd be, like, walking and strutting in my house, pretending like I'm, you know, walking in the runway, pretending I'm in a, I'm in a ball. Even, like, the straightest of the straight dudes, it gives them a little... <laughs> It gives them a little outlet too, you know? It's like, it's like, it's right. it's hard to just be a tough guy all the time. And sometimes, you know, in the pro- maybe it's the privacy of your own home. It's like, oh, I can also just listen to a bop. Like the fun is also a part of the liberation. And for Shante, it's not just Santana's sound that's liberating. It's the way he's showing up in the industry. But one of the things I really noticed was not just Saucy Santana's lyrics, not just Saucy Santana's vocal quality, you know, which was like kind of unapologetically femme, right, as a delivery and flow style, but Saucy Santana's body. Yep. Dudes get, well, gay boys get BBLs. Now, dudes is So gay, you're telling me gay guys get the fake ass. Yeah. You've seen this. I got one. You got a BBL. <laughs> I saw you uh, twerking on stage uh, unapologetically, as you should. Uh, at Rolling Loud, uh huh, uh-huh. and I was like, 
shit, man, dude's got cheeks. Pause. You know what I mean? Dude's got some cheeks. You know, Santan is not just femme or feminine. He's got the BBL. He's got the body. You know, it's the body. It's not just I'm a feminine gay man. I have a woman's shape. You know, he's like, he's, Mm -hmm. he's giving us the girdle. He's giving us the, 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 this and the, that he's giving us the bob. He's giving us the makeup. He's giving us the nails. So I think that that is something pretty radical um, because, and yet he's like, you know, I'm a feminine gay man. I'm not trans. And I think that that's like a, a pretty challenging spot to occupy. And it's a very powerful one. So much of rap has been about maintaining a hyper-masculine facade. Santana's friend Mitch has seen in real time how powerful Santana's influence is for others, just like it was for him when they first met. He's given a lot of fat film boys the confidence to get out here and wear their lashes, get out here and wear their makeup, pop your shit, put your clothes on. You, say, you know, like, you, you somebody. You're not counted out. He makes it very easy for people to be themselves because he's himself. And when you get around somebody like that with energy so transferable, you don't have no choice but to, you know, get to be motivated and be inspired by it. So I definitely feel like he's changed the culture in both lanes. But Salsa Santana, it was already, like, clockable, you know, meaning people could, was yeah. legible as a queer person. And so I think he was like, well, then let's make that part of the package, which I think is really, really smart. I think Black artists in particular are navigating so many different hurdles that it makes sense that some want or choose to find more security before they say, you know, I'm a queer person because Mm -hmm. it can derail careers. It's not a guarantee that they're going to be embraced because of racism, because of the ways that artists are marketed, because just because of their own exhaustion with with dealing with industry stuff. Because let's not get it twisted. Santana breaking through does not mean hip-hop has magically transformed. Yeah, back in 2021, Boozy went on a homophobic tear on Instagram Live, saying he would beat up Lil Nas X, and that Nas X should, quote, do the world a huge favor by committing suicide. And a lot of times when people do come in contact with an artist's queerness, they treat them like a sideshow act. Like last year. When TDE's Isaiah Rashad, he was outed from a leaked sex tape, the rapper sat down with Joe Budden, of all people, for his first and only press op about it. And Budden's interview approach was OD queerphobic. I didn't watch it when uh, everybody else did. I didn't, I didn't care. Like, it's not, it's not my business. What everybody do is what they do. God forbid if niggas was just taping me behind closed doors. Yeah. But then I thought it sh- I shouldn't come do an interview without watching it. And then I watched it. <laughs> you stupid as hell. I gotta bro. be well versed. Come on. I gotta bro. be well informed with come my on, shit. In the interview, Isaiah looks visibly uncomfortable multiple times, and he speaks about having suicidal thoughts since being outed. And instead of getting empathy from Button, Button sensationalized it by talking about how the sex tape was probably boosting Isaiah's metrics. He turned the whole thing into a joke. You flirting with me? Just chill the fuck out. <laughs> Don't you fucking make me blush on this chill, camera. Chill, bro. Moments like this just prove old school queer phobia still reigns in rap. But it still hasn't stopped more queer rappers from taking up space and making noise. Young M.A., Kid Ken, Miss Boogie, Lil Nas X being the biggest. And according to Shantae, there's a couple of key reasons for that. 
one, I think artists are much more savvy about their social media presence and, and knowing how to leverage that. So they have people have teams now, they know how to manipulate the the machine, the social media machine. There's more money. So there's more of an infrastructural uh, support for Black queer content, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Just like there's more infrastructural support for Black women's content. That infrastructure is so important, whether it's access to money up front, having a corporation handle all the politics, or the overall industry stamp that comes with being signed by a major label. So while Santana had TikTok on lock, he still wasn't feeling that. I had seen so many people come behind me where like make a song or just do, just, yeah, just come up with a song. People was getting deals left and right, especially girls. And I was like, okay, I did it already a few times. What's the hold up? Um, I definitely had to work harder to prove myself because this is something that hasn't been done before. So people had to know, hey, he don't just go viral or hey, that's not just your Miami best friend or, um, you know, oh, hey, he's funny or whatever. I had to let people know like, no, I got my own career, I'm my own entity, I'm talented and I'm going to make this work. And that's what I did. He started meeting with label reps, but the conversations didn't really go anywhere. A lot of that had to do with people not knowing what to do with it. I seen people like come out with one like one song, it go viral and they get like a deal and their label back them up and all that. I had to keep. I had Walk Em Like a Dog. I had Material Girl. I had Here We Go. I had Back It Up. I had Up and Down. I had several songs that were, I had Walk. Um, I had several songs that was hits. When I had seen so many people just come out with one song and they'd be like, okay, come over here. We're going to get your record deal. Mm. And I was like, dang, I did that like five times already. And this this is what happens in the music industry too, right? When, you know, you have revolutionary artists that people aren't, I don't know what I can do with this or I don't know what I can do with him or her. That's Jay Grand, Senior Vice President of A&R at RCA Records. So Santana's so raw that... I don't know if everybody got Santana when I first discussed Santana, I don't know, two years ago, whatever it was. I think there's a creative aesthetic that some people get and some people don't. And he is, he is edgy. So I could see a group of people that are very artistic for, you know, let's call it like a jazzy edge, like a highly musically inclined, um, forward-thinking progressive may not be ready to hear, you know, the raw shit that Santana is bringing to the table with Walk and Material Girl. You know, it's not, neither one of those are Mozart. Yo, from the way Jay Grant talks about him, it's clear that he sees the value in cashing in on Santana's social capital, even if he doesn't all the way get it himself. Like, calling Saucy edgy? That's not only a flattening term that's been used for Black artists for decades. There's some femphobia peeking through in his words, too. That's the hostility towards feminine presenting people. And it's a good look into how industry heads think about rappers who don't fit into their mold. You think a lot of, a lot of it had to do with, like, fear? People not yes, knowing of course. what they I mean, would people do? People not knowing what it is. People not knowing how long I would last. Um, because, you know, rap is so fast nowadays, so... I only been rapping since 2000, 2019. 
So, you know, people was like, can we sell? First of all, can we sell him? You know, he's feminine, he's dark-skinned, he's thick, he's gay, he's loud. You know, can we sell that? Will people, you know, buy into it? Those questions followed him into label meetings. And Santana saw the catch-22. The same thing that was setting him apart was exactly what the industry was trying to change about him. Like somebody suggested that I acted as if I was bisexual. And um, I was like, no. My fans already, I had got a, a big fan base really fast. Um, because I just, from being myself, I always been like this. So during high school, everybody loves Santana. In the hood, everybody loves Santana wherever I go. So people had already fell in love with Santana for me to double back around and be like, oh, <laughs> like, that's, I don't like corny shit. And to me, that was corny. Mm. Why am I playing bisexual? I'm gay. Mm. And I'm Santana. I'm still get my name the same. My face still gonna be beat. I don't have to play like I'm bisexual, like I have a girlfriend to impress nobody. Boardroom conversations like this highlight the industry's lack of imagination. But they also peel back the layers on how label execs seek marketability in the ambiguity. The industry wants to be able to exploit Santana's identity in either direction and can't imagine letting him rock as he is. Some people are afraid of other people's opinions. Um, how are people look if you back if you, you know, support um Saucy Santana? And some people are just afraid of what they don't understand. So that, I think that's a, a natural thing for people. Because I'm like that. If I see something, I'm like, what is that? I don't know. Get that out of my face. I don't want that. And don't even give it a chance. Be Just because it's foreign, I don't know. With him being heavyset and with him being, you know, flamboyant, I they all they, the world shut them type of gays out. That you know, like most people, like if you go on certain sites or you go on certain people Instagrams or certain gay boys Twitter, it'll have it in their bio, no fat, no films. Wow. Like, huh? You get what I'm saying? So with Santana being, you know, film and to them, fact, you know, he two and one, he's automatically X'd out. So it's just like, oh, he don't get no credibility. So to see somebody to be fat and film getting the love that they get and like that's big for the that's big for me because that's my friend and I know it makes him feel amazing. Santana has never been nobody with low self-esteem, but it's like he's still human. That's like a uh feels like a, a really big double standard that yes. an artist like Santana has to do. Yes. With. And then especially with him because he's a boy wearing a wig and wearing makeup. So that's all the more reason why they're gonna micromanage everything and micro criticize everything. You have no no re- room for a fuck up at all. We'll talk about that a little bit. Explain. Because you're a boy. Like, we boys, when any, like, you can't look a fool. And we don't participate in clown shit. So, and this is really, that's his life for real. Like, it's not a gag. It's not a gimmick. It's not an Instagram joke. It's not a, you know, like, this is really his life. He always tell me, Mitch, take pride in your look. Because it's like, we're gay. And not saying that we're not supposed to do it because there's not no rules. And, oh, girls supposed to do this, girls supposed to do that. But it's not normal. For us to wear a for a guy to wear a full face of makeup, lashes, nails. So if you're gonna do it, do it right or do it and do it better than the girls because they already be mad that you're doing it. So when you put on your lace, your lace need to be sickening, the best quality hair, the best person to melt that bitch down. When you wear makeup, your makeup need to be T. Like your makeup don't need to look thrown away like none of that because that that gives people more shit to talk about. You already standing out, so at least stand out and stand out and do and be looking good and stand out and be something to talk about. That double standard Mitch is breaking down rings a lot like the one that women entering the game face. But here's the difference. 
whereas women in rap have historically only been allowed to exist in very specific spaces, in very specific ways, openly gay, openly femme men, like Santana, haven't been allowed to exist at all. If Sam would have been a girl, he would have been a billionaire by now. Let's just talk about the accolades. Let's just, like, I'm just being so serious here. And this is, like, the conversation. This is why I don't get into conversations when it comes to my friend because it'll piss me, it'll piss me off. But if he would have been a girl, after walking like a dog, it would have been house on the hill, living next door to Bill Gates, like that, if he would have been a female. Like, the stuff that he's done in these three years, like, bitches ain't doing that shit. Mitch is not alone in his assessment. In fact, it's part of a larger trend that often finds two of the most marginalized identities in hip-hop pitted against each other. Cishet black women and femme presenting queer men. Shantae thinks a lot about this. In some ways, the kind of industry walls that Santana is facing are the same ones that black women are facing, dark-skinned black women are facing, actually. The way the, the, the transactional nature, the extractive nature, the discarding, I think, like, competition for black men's attention sometimes causes them to weaponize homophobia or patriarchy against each other. And I think that that's really hard. It's it's hard to see who the real enemy is because you're seeing people that look like you get ahead of you and you're not seeing the people who are making those decisions. Like Moya Bailey told us in the first episode, massage noir is equal opportunity in how it's deployed. So is femphobia. It leaves the girls and the gays fighting over the smallest slice of the pie. I see the kinds of conversations that happen online. I see the kind of conversations that happen in community. And because of Black women's, particularly dark-skinned Black women's exclusion from the category of woman and the feminine, sometimes they feel like gay men swoop up and are able to claim that. I think that Mitch's you know, speaking is something that's definitely true, but it's operating simultaneously with basically trying to exclude both or lessen the impact of both groups. There are some great reasons to be signed and to have structural infrastructural support. But I think that those tensions do arise when you're fighting over resources that actually aren't limited, but are made to seem limited. And it's made to seem like there are limited spots. One thing I ask of Black people is to be committed to loving Black people, to be committed to supporting other Black people, to be committed to kind of anti-colonial ways of trying to navigate this very colonial capitalist space. And that's the common ground that women and queer rappers share. Both are getting bigger looks than ever due to the power of virality. Both have virality used against them, like they're only good enough for 15 minutes of fame. But for queer artists, there's another rule at play. Keeping that gay shit at a distance and staying in your lane. Because if we really think about what we're saying with the virality label, we're using a word normally saved for contagion. Something powerful, but also seen as dangerous, in need of containment. And if you can quarantine queerness to virality, then you can keep it from spreading. You can pretend it's not already the foundation of the culture. You don't consider um, Nicki Minaj a viral rapper. You don't consider Gucci Mane a viral rapper. You don't consider Cardi B a viral rapper. Like, you know, 
So I'm like, I don't know what's the viral thing. I had people had to take that out of my intro, say that I'm like, I'm not no viral rapper. I'm a rapper like everybody else. Mm-hmm. I made several songs. I made several hits. I made several impacts on people all over the world. That's not viral. I'm just, I am who I am. So now it's time to turn that viral wave into a way of life. Santana's clearly ready to take that next step. But the question is, is the industry? Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Sattva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit com slash NPR and save an additional $200. Do you wish stories could unfold over three hours rather than three minutes? You tired of doom scrolling? Trying to find humanity? Or maybe a deeper understanding of why the world is the way it is? Listen to Embedded. NPR's original documentary series. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. Enter ServiceNow. It puts AI to work for people across your business, providing intelligent tools to help remove frustration and supercharge productivity. And all of that is built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Learn more at servicenow.com slash AI for people. I would always say, is this a jump on the table artist, right? This is Jay Grand from RCA Records again. Do I actually jump on the table and say, we're signing this fucking artist. Like, this artist is a star. Or I know what to do to make sure that we have a star artist. I've got the vision. Um, Santana's definitely one of those artists where you're like, I get it. So let's do it. When he got signed, I was super excited, but it's like, damn, finally. On March 22nd, 2022, Santana's best friend was in the room with him when he inked the deal with RCA Records. And to be a part of that moment just meant so much to be in a room with people that actually believe in him. And if nobody believes in my best friend, I believe in my best friend. If nobody's going to stand beside him, I'm going to stand beside him. And it's just like, you can't, why not? You get what I'm saying? So, like, the day that he signed, it was just, like, an amazing feeling. And they let me give him, like, a little speech. It was just like, yo, it's up from here, bitch. Like, they don't let you in the door, I hope. Like, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. You were just talking about he should have been signed. How, how, how late? late? Yeah. How late is he? Yeah. How late was it's the industry? It's 2022. The industry is three years late. Period. 2019, when he did a million streams in a fucking week. If that would have been a female, they would have been had her signed two days later. Putting a chain on her neck. The industry is three years late. It's cool, though, because he right on time. Since signing with RCA, Santana's been moving. He dropped another track called Booty. He went on tour with Lizzo and Lotto. And one of his latest tracks, Bop Bop, has taken off on TikTok. 
phone gon' ring, coins don't stop, clubbing all night, bottles gon' pop, step up in the spot, bop bop bop. However you want to slice the cake, Santana's the icing. Do you think that Santana has, has like, caused a shift in hip-hop? No. <laughs> I don't think that he has caused a shift. But I think that, ask that question in, like, three or four or five years. Because I think what we might see is um, the ripple effects you know, of someone like Saucy Santana, um, who is still in a lot of ways kind of singular. I'm curious if we're going to see more feminine, talented, dark-skinned, thick gay men occupying that space in hip-hop. I would like to to see more queer women. I would like to see more trans women. I would like to see people also embrace all the various styles of hip-hop. Santana feels that too, but he wants it to be even bigger, better, and broader. I'm trying to make my space wider. Um, I don't want to be the only um, gay boy that's a rapper. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a space for all of us. Yeah. So for me, that's definitely the goal to make it wider. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not caught up on like being a queen or a king or I'm number one. Y'all king, like, come on. That's the whole point of me doing this. So that way, you know, we go to the BC Awards and we have best new LGBT artists or we just have spaces for us mm. like it's normal. Mm. Like how so many female rappers nowadays, it didn't used to be like that. Well, a long time it was only Nicki Minaj. Now you got Nicki, Lotto, Ruby Rose, City Girls, Cardi B, Meg Thee Stallion, Doja Cat. Like it's so many rap girls. Dream Doll. Like it's so many of them. So I wanted to be the same way for gays. Mm, I love that. Well, that kind of leads into one of my questions I was going to ask, and it's about what do you want the future of hip-hop to be? And you're just saying more space. Gay as fuck. (laughs) Like, you have to be convinced on a girl rapping. You hear a song, she got a good song, you're convinced right in and there. Make this the same way. I do this for me and my culture. So... In five to ten years, I wanted to be I wanted to be one of y'all. I don't want it to be me. Um, I'm already 28 years old. So it's like, you know, I don't plan on trying to be 45. Still out here pussy popping on the song, you know? Mm. I wanted to be, I wanted to be y'all. Cause so many other gay boys that's talented that know how to rap and know how to make good songs. You got Kiki and Dre Bay, Todrick Hall, so many people. So it's like, yeah, it's room for all of us. The same way as so many female rappers, I wanted to be so many gay rappers and I wanted to be as regular as hell. It's easier for us to kick the door in if a hundred of us are kicking versus if I'm kicking the door by myself. We're more prone to knock the door off the hinges with a hundred of us. With me, I probably could do it. It's gonna take me a few years. With a hundred of us, it might take us a day. It might take us a few weeks. The essence of what Santana is talking about is community, gang gang. He's for breaking out of the box of virality. Not just to break into the mainstream, but to break the mainstream, period. For himself and everybody coming after him, using the power that comes in numbers 
to try and permanently knock down the industry's closed-door policy. But what happens when the community you've cultivated, a community that uplifts outsiders, gets threatened? I'm not here for the pretty shit. I'm not here for the cute shit. I'm here to make a fucking difference. I'm here for the people who go right into the motherfucking flames and get burned. Rico Nasty takes us through rule number eight. That's next time on Louder Than a Riot. Louder Than a Riot is hosted by me, Sydney Madden, and Rodney Carmichael. This episode was written by myself, Rodney, and Gabby Bulgarelli. And it was produced by Louder's senior producer, Gabby Bulgarelli. Our producers are Sam J. Leeds and Mano Sondresen. Our editor is Soraya Shockley, with additional editing by Sam J. Leeds. Our engineer is Gilly Moon. Our senior supervising producer is Cher Vincent. Our interns are Jose Sandoval, Teresa Shea, and Pilar Galvan. The NPR execs are Keith Jenkins, Yolanda Sanguini, and Anya Grande. Original theme by Casa Overall. Remixed by Suzy Analog. And the scoring for this episode was provided by Suzy Analog. Our digital editors are Jacob Gans, Sheldon Pierce, and Dayu Tyler Amin. Our fact checker is Will Chase. If you like this episode and you want to talk back, hit us up on Twitter. We're at Louder Than a Riot. And if you want to email us, it's louder at npr.org. From NPR Music, I'm Rodney Carmichael. And I'm Sydney Madden. And this is Louder Than a Riot. And we get to name it today too. Okay. Yeah. Think about the name. Mine's I'm gonna name mine's Ho. Ho? But you gotta spell it H E A U X. Yo. Okay, so let me do that again. H E A U X. What does Ho smell like? Oh the Ho. Ho just give you Ho. Like it gives sweet. It gives sexy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like a Ho. But just because you smell like a hoe don't mean that you a hoe. You just want to smell like one, you know? Because niggas love hoes. Yes, they do. I don't know. (laughs) I have a wife. Oh, my God. This message comes from NPR sponsor Betterment. Confusing eye contact with a mysterious stranger is never chill. But Betterment is the investing app that lets you be totally chill about your finances. Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. This message comes from NPR sponsor, MassMutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice, but you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com. In any great story, there's a moment that sparks your curiosity tells you there is more to uncover. How how did this happen? How did we get here? That's where Embedded comes in. We are NPR's home for documentary journalism. Immersive and intimate stories. I was stone cold speechless. Nothing will ever, 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 ever be the same here. Find Embedded wherever you get your podcasts.